0: chapter number four john chapter number four trust you had a good prayer time i know we'll take that list with us and continue to pray for one another throughout the week but let's turn to for our bible study tonight let's turn to john chapter number four we'll highlight a few verses here and then we will look at this topic of evangelism one of the Motives in the Christian life as we have been going through a series now for the last few Wednesday nights. Of course, we'll skip next week because of the annual business meeting, but we'll look at several of these motives, godly motives, motives that should drive us as Christians. We looked at the glory of God, our acceptance in Christ, our calling in Christ, but then also evangelism. This should be a motivation in our life, a driving force, if I can say it that way, uh, in our life. Evangelism is one of those areas, like prayer, that we never do enough. There's, there's always room for improvement. There's always uh, ways in which we could do better. Evangelism and prayer, I, I, th- I seem to think that those are two, the, two of those areas in the Christian life that are just nonstop. They're ongoing with how can I do better? How can I improve?" The, the, the need never goes away, and there should be a constant desire in uh, striving to please the Lord in uh, these areas. But evangelism. let's look at John 4. We know that the context is the Samaritan woman. Jesus has spent time in conversation with her at the well. Of course, there were ethnic, racial barriers, there were religious barriers, all of those barriers Jesus was overcoming with the truth and with compassion, with concern for this lady's soul. And we come down to John 4 and verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So we see Jesus' single hearted devotion to doing the Lord's will which included of course the ministry of the gospel verse 35 say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest behold i say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest some have thought that possibly at that very moment there were people coming out of the village there in Samaria, coming toward the well where Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. I don't know how how true that is, but it's possible that Jesus was literally causing them to look at the people coming to them out of the village and saying, here are people who need the gospel. Here is the harvest field right before our very eyes. We continue down in verse 39, John 4 and verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for what? For the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. What did she do upon getting saved? She went out and she immediately began to tell her village. She was so excited. She began to share Jesus Christ with those in her hometown, they're in her village. And I remember when I got saved as a elementary student, I remember there was a, a, a friend just a few doors down, and we would play in the fields back behind our house, which is now a parking lot in Pensacola, Florida. But there used to be a big open field back there, and we'd go out there as little boys would do, and we'd have imaginary wars and imaginary adventures and we had a good old time and i remember i had just gotten saved and i was so excited i was out there playing and we were doing one of our imaginary adventures and i began to tell him about jesus and just so excited to, to tell him that i had gotten saved and that he could get saved too and you know there are times where i feel bad i i'm, I'm embarrassed and i'm ashamed that i don't have that same zeal that i had as a little boy in that moment and sharing the gospel with that that friend of mine from down the street. But that zeal, that desire to share the gospel, to see others come to Christ, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, that should be a regular and uh, a faithful part of our motivation and of our efforts and of our service for the Lord. So in thinking of this motive, this godly motive of evangelism, Let's see, first of all, that there should be a sense of urgency. There should be a sense of urgency. Maybe you have the the outline there, and if you'd like to follow along, it should be there in the the prayer bulletin, and there might be some blanks there if you'd like to to follow along and fill those in. But there should be an urgency to this motivation to share the gospel. Are we not in the last days? Doesn't it feel like we're in the last days of the last days? We're in the latter days of the last days? It seems like everything is in place for the rapture of the church. It seems the technology is there. It seems that there is a spirit of Antichrist that's prevalent in the world. So many different things that we can look at that we know the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church we're not looking for some other vision or sign at the same time there are clearly signs of the times in the sense there appears to be a imminent or an imminence to the return of Christ should that not motivate us with a sense of urgency that there are lost people who might enter into the tribulation period who may never Ever hear the gospel again? That there are limited opportunities? That there are more and more people that are blinded by error and all this expressive individualism and this self-love, blinded by so many false teachings? Even religious people, we are finding even in America now, people who are biblically illiterate, who don't know basic truths, why it is so important that we have our Sunday schools, that we have our kids for truth, because our young people, our our youth group, our young people need to hear the gospel. They need the truth. I'm so thankful for a mom and dad that took me to church. We had family devotions. I heard the gospel from the time I was an infant uh, to this very day. And I'm so thankful for a mom and dad who made the gospel a regular part of our family life, going to church, family devotions, and it was obviously under the the preaching of the word and the the children's ministries there at the the campus church in Pensacola, Florida, that I uh, heard the gospel in those particular classroom or church settings, but it was in the home there in that little tiny house in Pensacola, Florida, after family devotions that I... Called out to the Lord and confessed my sin and received Christ as my personal Savior. So thankful. We need to have an urgency for our family. We need to have an urgency for maybe a co-worker or co-workers. We need to have a sense of urgency for the lost in general. We need this motivation. We need this urgency in this motivation. Charles Spurgeon said, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap into hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let not one go there unmourned and unprayed for. Charles Spurgeon puts it very bluntly, very plainly, this sense of urgency that we must have for the lost. We think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we see the heart of Paul, who had this urgency. We could read there in 2 Corinthians 5. I'll just take a moment. We don't have a lot of time tonight, but this is such a key passage. It's important, I think, for us to, to read it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation this message of the gospel which is a ministry of reconciliation God is in the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto himself verse 20 now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God, So we see in this sense of urgency, we see this responsibility as ambassadors. We see this urgency in Paul's teachings there in 2 Corinthians 5, that we go forth as ambassadors with an all-important, life-saving message and a ministry of reconciliation, where God desires to be reconciled, where man And God and man can be reconciled through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see not only this sense of urgency, but also in this motivation of evangelism, there is the necessity of remembering eternity. We must remember the reality of hell. We know in Revelation 20 and verse 15, And those who were not found in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. All those who have refused to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their names will not be found in the Lamb's Book of Life. They will go to a place called hell, separated from God for all eternity. Hell is real. Heaven is real. 1 Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter one and verses 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Don't we want others Our family, our friends, co-workers, don't we want others to share in that same glory, to inherit those same promises, to have those same privileges that come only through salvation by faith alone in Christ alone that come only through Jesus Christ? That should be a part of this motive in evangelism. Remembering eternity, the reality of hell. The reality of heaven. And then we should be praying for laborers. Praying for laborers. Matthew 9. And this is a, a parallel passage to, to John 4. Though not the exact same uh, circumstance. But a very parallel passage in Matthew nine thirty seven and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I have no doubt that the reason that I got saved, one of the reasons that I got saved, a major factor, I already mentioned my mom and dad who gave me the gospel on a regular basis, but I know for a fact that my mom and dad prayed for me to get saved. I know for a fact that my mom and dad prayed for my soul. What a powerful responsibility, powerful privilege, and opportunity to pray for our loved ones, to pray for our children, our grandchildren, to pray for our loved ones, and to pray for laborers. There is a great need. When we are finding churches who don't have pastors, and when churches are being led by executive VPs more than they are by men who preach the gospel and shepherd their people, there is a great need. There are missionaries retiring, and there's not enough people taking their place. I'm thankful for International Partnership Ministries, which is the mission agency that we have Carlos Rubio serving through that mission board, that mission agency, and I met the one of the representatives who works out of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. He was here for the pastor's fellowship, and he is familiar with Carlos Rubio, but I love their perspective, their philosophy. They focus on finding nationals who they can partner with, that they can vet, and not necessarily bringing them to the United States for training, though sometimes that is necessary, but they find national pastors that American churches can support. They already know the language. They already know the culture. They've grown up there. They're already involved with the people, and I love how IPM has that philosophy. Not that there aren't needs for American missionaries to go, of course, and there are missionaries coming and going from other, other lands, but there is a need for laborers. As we pray for laborers, it reminds us of our personal responsibility. As we pray for others to go, does that not lay a greater burden on our heart for the lost? it also burdens our hearts for the lost which is goes right along with reminding our, ourselves of our personal responsibility it also reignites our passion for the gospel and it rekindles our motivation we can't pray for missionaries as we have missionaries come through as we have missions conferences as we support our missionaries on a regular basis and we read their prayer letters and we give their requests it should rekindle our passion for the lost, that we should be right here in our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria, Samaria, that we should be giving the gospel. I'm thankful that we are a church that preaches the gospel clearly and plainly. I'm thankful that when we have the opportunity to minister to families through funerals or weddings or those types of uh, situations, circumstances, that we preach the gospel here. That our church comes alongside and even though not everybody is up behind the pulpit, everybody is doing their part to support the ministry of the gospel. Whether it be a meal or a card or whether it be tear down and set up or whether it be flowers or whatever it is, everybody is a part of that ministry to do what? To support the gospel proclamation that people are ministered to by the word of God. I was, Kelly and I were at a funeral not that far from here, over in Flora, uh, shortly after we, we moved here. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, her mom passed away, and we went to the funeral over in Flora. And we were disappointed, greatly disappointed, because she had been a member of that church for a long time. And the pastor got up, he barely read any scripture, there was no gospel message. And we were in and out of there in 15, 20 minutes. And there was nothing that was clear about how you get saved, about Jesus Christ dying on the cross. There was no clear gospel presentation. We've probably been to funerals like that. And it's disappointing when hearts are tender and there's thoughts of, the, of eternity and people are thinking about death and then there's no message of the gospel. How sad. I'm so glad that our church emphasizes the gospel of Jesus Christ and emphasizes it in the right way. in does so with a clear presentation of salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone. So as we're praying for labors, it it also does a work in our own hearts. Fourthly, in our motive of evangelism, we need to develop Christ's compassion. Matthew 9, in verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. What about in John 4, where most people, can I just say just about everybody in Israel at that time, 90 plus percent, 99% of the people, I don't know what the percentage would be, but a large percentage of the people would not have taken the time either to walk through Samaria, much less talk to a Samaritan woman In the middle of the day at a well, and then to share the gospel with her. That's one of the the, the rebuking aspects of John 4. One of the rebukes to us is do we have that kind of vision for the lost that will go out of our way, that will have that kind of compassion, that will see them? and, 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 And we pray that. The politicians that we sometimes get so angry at, while we pray for them to do right and to have the fear of God before their eyes and the knowledge of the holy, while we pray sometimes in precatory prayers for God's judgment, for there to be justice, we, we must still pray for their souls. Those are, are people that, though they make us angry at the very sight of them sometimes on TV, at the very thought of some of their policies, at the same time, we need to pray for their souls. And uh, we don't know. There, there are uh, famous, rich, educated, powerful people who God saves and can save. With God it is possible um, the disciples were wondering if the rich could ever get saved. We talked about this on Sunday, and what was Jesus' answer? With God, it is possible. We know that there are not many because the riches and the power blind so many to their need for the Savior, but we can still pray for those who even are our enemies, Matthew 5, says. In our response to them, we pray for them, and we never know how our testimony might be an influence and an impact We don't know what trials might be going on sometimes in their lives. We don't know sometimes what hardships, because they may have a lot of money, they may have a lot of power, but they are not immune to trials and tribulations. And many times there is great agony of the soul because they're empty. They're without Christ, and we can pray for them. Real compassion, then, Results in action. Matthew 6 and verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. May our compassion be turned into action. Acts 17 and verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry may we have compassion that results in action including the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then in this motivation of evangelism let's anticipate the trophy anticipate the trophy 1 Thessalonians 2 in verse 19 for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. What was he saying is his crown. Those people. People are all we have. I'm not going to take our money and our cars and our homes to heaven. But there are going to be people. Who will go to heaven. That will join with us in that heavenly choir. Who we want to see there. Who we should have a great desire and passion and compassion for. To see them come to Christ. Ministry. The reward of the ministry of the gospel that God allows us by his grace. He doesn't think about it. He could use the angels and the angels are ministering spirits. But who does he give the responsibility of the gospel to us as believers? He doesn't give it to the angels. He doesn't have big visions of gospel letters up in the sky. No, he uses us often through relationships, often through taking time, getting to know people, having a godly testimony and having a concern, a genuine concern and care and being willing to go out of our way and showing a genuine compassion for people's needs and ultimately for their souls. In doing so, we anticipate that God will do a work and that there will be fruits 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So God is going to not allow his word to return void. There is going to be increase. There is going to be fruit. We don't know where that's going to be, how much that's going to be, who that's going to be. But we have to be faithful in those divine appointments, in sharing the gospel, in being a godly testimony, having compassion. In, in remembering eternity and having this sense of urgency and anticipating that God's going to do a work, that God can save that individual, just like he saved us. He can save them. And they may seem like a lost cause at times, but we don't give up. The father of the prodigal son had the coat by the door and was looking every day and ran out, ran that day. When the prodigal son returned, having come to himself, having now turned from his sin and turned to, of course, we understand that parable that the father is God, Christ. And having turned from his sin and turned in faith, and repentance of his sin, that father was there running, but he had been looking. He had been waiting every day. May we have that same anticipation, knowing that We may just be planting. We may just be doing the watering. We don't know where we are maybe in that process, but it's ultimately that God gives gives the increase. It's ultimately between them and, and the Lord and whether they're going to receive Christ as their Savior, but we are to do our part in planting the seed and watering that seed, remembering that each step is honored by the Lord. So finally, as we close here, I'm going to give just... Several practical tips as we come to the end of our time. We already mentioned praying for labors, but also praying for ourselves to have opportunities and for boldness when those opportunities come. We need to be a godly testimony. If we're hypocrites, if we're not living a life of character and integrity and Christ-likeness, They're probably not going to listen to what we have to say about God. I can remember a biography. Josh Hamilton, former baseball player for the Texas Rangers, nearly won a World Series in 2011. And he was saved out of a life of drugs. And in his biography, Josh Hamilton talked about all the hypocrites that he saw. And he said he wanted nothing to do with what they had to say because he was disgusted with their hypocrisy. But when he saw genuine Christianity in a particular individual, and he saw that this individual really cared for him and his soul and lived the Christian life, he was willing to listen. And when he was at the bottom of the barrel drinking from the dregs of the cup, it was that individual who God used to bring him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The hypocrites... Turn lost people away. But if we have a godly testimony, we're, we're going to have much more of uh, an inroad with the gospel in their life. May the Lord use us in those opportunities, in those places that he has us, to be a godly testimony. And that includes in the home, of course. Carry gospel tracts. Be courageous in the moment. Praying with our eyes open. Lord, help me here. How can I turn this conversation Help me, Lord, to be able to share. And sometimes it's just a part of a verse. Sometimes it's a whole plan of salvation. Sometimes it's the whole Romans road. It'd be good for us to know some of those key verses, but sometimes we can only get a part of that. Sometimes it's only a track. Would you read this? If you have any questions, let me know. Um, opportunities that sometimes are, are very short, other opportunities are, are long and more involved. Maintain a prospect list that we can pray for, people that we know that we can pray for on a regular basis, and then trust God ultimately with the fruit. It is God that gives the increase. That is our study tonight. Thank you for being here. I hope this has been a help and encouragement to us. I hope that we can go out from here and the Lord will give us opportunities with the gospel. And may we see more souls saved and lives changed for the glory of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our church family. Thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, give us opportunities, even in this year, 2024. Make our hearts tender. May we be compassionate, praying for the lost. Lord, help us to have opportunities, even this week, to give a track, to share the word. Lord, may we see people saved as a result of our witness. Lord, we know that it is ultimately you that gives the increase, and we thank you for that. May we see you glorified in our efforts to share the gospel. May this be a true motive of our Christian life to evangelize the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for being here. Have a great rest of the week. Look forward to being back together on Sunday.